Welcome to the Sim Cafe, a podcast produced by the team at Innovative Sim Solutions. Join our host, Deb Tauber, as she sits down with subject matter experts from across the globe to redefine clinical education and the use of simulation. So pour yourself a cup of relaxation, sit back, tune in, and learn something new from the Sim Cafe. Hi, welcome to the Sim Cafe. Today we are honored to have Dr. K.T. Waxman from California. Dr. Waxman is a national nurse leader and executive with extensive experience in healthcare and corporate settings. She is an associate professor at the University of San Francisco and the Director of Executive Leadership, Doctor of Nursing Practice Program. She is also the Director of the California Simulation Alliance, CSA at Health Impact. In addition to her work at USF and CSA, she is the Editor-in-Chief for Nursing Administration Quarterly. An internationally known speaker and author, Waxman is also the past president of the Association of California Nurse Leaders, past board member, serving as treasurer for the American Organization for Nursing Leadership. She's also the past president of the Society for Simulation in Healthcare, or SSH, which is a 4,400-member international interprofessional organization. Dr. Waxman has published extensively. She's just done so many things, and we are just so honored and humbled to have her today. Thank you, Dr. Waxman. Do you want me to call you Dr. Waxman or KT? I would prefer if you call me KT, Deb. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you. (laughs) I'm happy to be here. So I'm going to ask our first question, which is share with us a little bit about your journey in simulation. Sure. So in about 2003, 2004, I was able to secure a grant from the Gordon and Betty Moore Foundation while I was consulting with the California Institute for Nursing and Healthcare to create a Bay Area simulation collaborative. Now, this was about 2003 to 2005, six, where simulation was just booming relative to mannequin-based simulation. So it was all about the mannequin. And my role was to gather 65 hospitals and 35 schools of nursing to come together to create a critical mass of educators, if you will, around simulation and the pedagogy of simulation. And so the Bay Area Simulation Collaborative evolved. And then from there, we were actually funded in Southern California. Remember, we have a very large state here, multiple regions. And they were, we were funded by Kaiser Permanente Community Benefits Program to replicate the model in the Bay Area in Southern California and we created the Southern California Simulation Collaborative. And with that, in 2008, we launched the California Simulation Alliance because we had two regions that could sort of roll up to the CSA as the sort of the mothership. We now have seven regional collaboratives around the state, and we have trained over 4,000 faculty and educators in our state and around the country. We have recently moved into advocacy work with our Board of Registered Nursing, which is very exciting. So my simulation journey started in around 2003. 
Wow. How did you, how did you, like, what was your first thoughts about simulation when you, you heard, okay, we're going to get an NHS, you know, a human patient simulator? What, what went through your mind? Well, that's a really good question because I thought, why have, why don't I know about this? Why didn't I have this when I was in nursing school? I, you know, I barely, you know, was able, I practiced on my student friends and did procedures on patients when I was a student that I'd never done in a lab. I'd never experienced. And I thought this is the best thing since sliced bread that's come along. And I was just so excited about it. The first thing I did was I joined the society and I joined Anaxel right off the bat because they were small organizations at that time, but it was, they were people that thought like me and that could speak the same language as me. And I remember going to my first society for simulation and healthcare meeting, I think it was 2005 or six. And it was in San Diego and there were 500 people there. Wow. And it wasn't even in a convention center. It was in a ho- in the hotel. And it was extremely vendor driven. There were a lot of vendors there really selling their wares. And we were all over the equipment. And then over the next couple of years, we really started coming together as a group to really define the pedagogy and create tools and create standards for simulation, which I am just very proud of the work that both Anaxel and the Society have done at this point to create all those standards to ensure that we're doing safe simulation and no harm to our students and our learners. Excellent. Excellent. So why don't you share with us your favorite story about simulation, your favorite simulation, one that you'll never forget? Well, I have several, but um, one comes to mind and if we have time, I can tell you another, but I was talking to you about that critical mass of educators that we had in the room you know, to, to start training. And I remember being up on the stage and talking about how simulation is the best thing and we need to embrace it. And if you're an expert nurse of 30 years, when you come into simulation, you become a novice because our whole educational model is built on Benner's, Benner's framework. And suddenly from the back of the room, an educator stood up and she said, look, I'm not doing it. <laughs> I'm not doing sim. They made me do PowerPoint and I hated that. And I said, well, thank you so much for your feedback. And I went on to someone else. And I thought, you know what? This is Roger's theory of innovation in action. I will not focus on those laggards. I will focus on the early adopters. So I went about my business. About two or three years later, I'm up on the podium doing something. And I see this woman approaching me. (laughs) Oh my gosh, it was that same woman and she's got the microphone and I thought, okay, you know, you never know. She said, I just want to thank you. After coming to your conferences for the last two years, I am now a believer. I was going to retire. I hated simulation, but now I am staying. I'm embracing it. I love it. So I love that story because it shows that, first of all, Roger's theory of innovation, when you have a project to implement, you want to focus on those who are early adopters which is what I did, but also with information and evidence, you can change someone's mind, right? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, KT. I have a similar story. We had uh, been doing pediatrics and we had another woman that was not, she was not buying it. After we had done 
done it for a couple months, she came running down the hall saying that her HESI scores were up because she had used simulation and she was so grateful and couldn't help but just give me big hugs and thank me and then became once again an advocate for simulation. I think seeing is believing. Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead, your next one. Well, there's a story about IMSH, the International Meeting on Simulation and Healthcare in 2013 in um, Orlando. And I was on uh, the co-chair of the planning committee with Adam Cheng and Ralph Krage. And we were doing a video. And so we needed to have the baby, a baby in the video, because that was part of our shtick. And I wanted to borrow a baby. Well, have you ever tried to get in the vendor hall after hours? The security is immense. <laughs> so I had to come up with my story about how I needed to get into the, to the exhibit hall and find that baby and have a picture taken, but I wasn't going to take the baby. I was just going to put it back and I, I managed to pull it off. And so the next day when the video came, came up, they were like, how did you get that baby? And I was just laughing because I had you know, manipulated the uh, security guard into allowing me to get into to the, exhibit hall after hours. That was funny. But I mean, there's lots of stories um, about SIM and debriefing and the things that come up during debriefing and how to manage these things and, and the aha moments. And, and I just think that it's just such a great educational methodology for learners and stories like students who have gone into practice and something happens like we had students who were in on the on a nursing unit on the first floor. They looked outside. They saw somebody in the parking lot waving their hands. They ran out. The father-to-be says, my wife is having a baby. My wife is having a baby. I don't know what to do. And they said, we know exactly what to do because we had this in simulation yesterday. And they saved the day, right? Yeah. I love that when the student says that. We, we know what to do. We had this in sin. Yep. I know. I love that too. <laughs> yeah. 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 KT, you have done some amazing work with the California Alliance. Why don't you share with us that journey? Um, and I think you have a mind for business. So I think that that gives you an edge as a nurse mm -hmm. and leader. So why don't you share that with us? Absolutely. So both the Basque and the Southern California Collaborative were funded by grants. The CSA had, has no grant funding up until recently. Which I'll talk about in a second, but for 10 years, we have been self-sustaining. And I actually published a paper that was published in the Society's Journal related to a sustainable alliance. We have five revenue streams that we've created so that we will be self-sustaining. We have subscription fees. We have folks that um, sign up for a subscription and have access to our 100 plus evidence-based scenarios that are all cusinized, which is a word that we, we coined. And so we have subscription fees. We also have course fees. We do a lot of training. All of our faculty are working simulationists that moonlight with us, that we pay them as a subcontractor. And those course fees at the end of the day go back to the CSA. We have an apprenticeship program. If you want to get extensive training, you can go into one of our identified sites and be an apprentice. We get some revenue for that. We also have pricing agreements with a lot of our vendors and we receive percentages, uh, donations from them, if you will, after you know we give them our subscription list, 
they go out and they sell, and then they, they donate back to us in the form of um, revenue. And then we also have consulting that we do. So we've been doing a lot of consulting recently related to the pandemic and how the ability to do simulations on Zoom and be able to debrief them on Zoom. We've done a lot of accreditation prep for, for facilities who want to go in on the accreditation journey, et cetera. So those revenues have sustained us for over 10 years. We've never had any grant funding force for sustainability. So I think it's important for two things. I think that you need to have a business sense and create a business model. I think the second thing is consistent leadership. I really believe that I have been the leader of the CSA since its inception, and I think that is critical um, to have that continuity and that um, historical you know, knowledge. Recently, we received one grant, the implicit bias grant is what I'm calling it. In California, there's a, a new law that just came out that says that starting next year, every single school of nursing, school of medicine has to have implicit bias training embedded in its curriculum if they want to offer CEUs. So I approached Kaiser Permanente Northern California Community Benefits, and we were funded to write eight implicit bias simulation scenarios. And this work has been a very challenging work, but we were funded for that. The grant is up in December, but has enabled us to write eight very high quality scenarios that we're going to make available to our subscribers for free. And we will sell them at a nominal fee for those who are not a subscriber. It's our goal is to have people be subscribers and they get them for free. But the work has been challenging. We've been accepted to present it at IMSH and, uh, and at the Kusin conference because it's a very different, different way of, number one, writing a scenario, and number one, debriefing a scenario in implicit bias. So we created a team of a diverse group of individuals to help us construct these scenarios. Wow, that is amazing. Now, KT, is the California Alliance, like if I wanted to join it, I'm in mm-hmm. Chicago, can I do that or is it? Oh yeah. Okay. We have members from all over the world. We have we give our California members a, a bit of a discount. If you're out of state, it's you know, a little higher. If you're state funded, if you're not for profit, we have a rate for that. It's all on our website. Primarily people join so that they can get access to our scenarios and come to our courses. Yeah, that sounds uh, like something that people should join if they're not already uh, joining. I would just go to CaliforniaSimulationAlliance.org and read all about us. And we're, we're, we're starting our social media campaign. I'm on social media a lot, but it's hard for me to manage the CSA as well. So I'm working with someone to, to get us out there. Great. Very. I'm, I'm going to be excited to see these scenarios because it's, once again, California always seems like they're kind of on the cutting edge of things. Well, and I think we're expected to because we're so diverse, especially in the Bay Area. And, and so we're trying to, to lead that work. But it's been a learning experience for all of us. I worked very closely with Marie Gilbert and Deb Bennett to, to pull these together. And, and we constantly are debriefing about how much we've learned. Yeah. Great, great. Now, what about telehealth and simulation? I'm curious about that. It's interesting when the pandemic hit, our nurse schools of nursing negotiated and tried very hard with the Board of Nursing to 
have telehealth count as clinical hours, and many of them are very successful in having that done. Telehealth heard pretty much overnight uh, with the pandemic. I mean, it's been there for a long time, but hospitals have had strategic plans of, yeah, in year two, three, or four, we're going to roll it out. Well, all of a sudden, overnight, it just happened, and many of them haven't gone back. I have several physician colleagues that are telehealth docs. That's what they do now. That's what they do. And a lot of NP colleagues that are doing all of their work on it with telehealth. Our students are doing their telehealth clinical experiences as NPs and, and, and pre-licensure students out here in California, for sure. And, and we do, do support it. How do you guys incorporate the telehealth education for the nursing students in the curriculum? Or have you guys been able to cross that bridge yet? Or what are, what's the thinking about it? Well, I think that most um, faculty were doing whatever they could to get clinical hours. And so they talked to the, to the hospitals and, and, you know, they had clinics set up and a lot of questions about COVID and the vaccine. And so those, the students were able to do like call center stuff, right. You know, get credit for that as well. And so I hope it stays in the curriculum. I really do. I know it will stay in the NP curriculum for sure. I'm not an expert on pre-licensure curriculum. So I hope that that it'll be incorporated in some way. Great. Thanks. The next question I want to ask is, I know that you don't have a crystal ball, but where do you see simulation moving to in the future? Well, first of all, I think it's here to stay. And in 2005, I had folks tell me that it was a fad and now it's 2021 and, um, it's still here. So I think it's only going to get better. I really think that VR will take off. I think that VR, we embraced it during the pandemic and we can't go back. I think once that people feel, figure out that it is cost effective, because there's always this perception that simulation overall is expensive. And yes, there's a cost associated with it, but you also have to look at the return on investment. If we can train people in VR at home to do certain skills, and then they're more prepared when they go into the clinical setting, you know, you get a return on that investment for sure, related to outcomes, most definitely for, pa- for patients. I think that the mannequins will stay around, but I think that's going to diminish because of VR. I think that you can see with the VR headset, you know, the hologram of a patient, you can touch a patient on a gurney without having the entire plastic mannequin there. So I think that over the pandemic, it was evident that mannequin sales went down and VR and screen-based education sales went up. So that's interesting. And I, I do believe that simulation will be integrated into all curriculum in, in the near future, if not already. I believe that regulations in every state and I've been doing a lot of work. I'm on the Enaxel Regulations Committee, and I have been doing a lot of advocacy work at the state capitol in California on simulation because our Board of Registered Nursing is very challenging to work with. And so we've had to work with legislators to get a law in place rather than regulation through our board. Um, I have been advocating for several years now to increase the amount of simulation allowed in clinical, to replace clinical hours in the state of California. There are lots of states that are already at 50%. 
some that have no regulation at all. Our state is currently at 25%, unless we're in an emergency state, which we are currently, and we can go up to 75% in mental health, peds and OB, and we can go up to 50% in med surge geriatrics. So that's a temporary state of emergency, and we would like to maintain that. And the other thing is, you know, what exactly is the clinical hour and what does that experience look like compared to SIM? Because we can guarantee a clinical experience in SIM. So in the state of California, do you guys count clinical uh, as one-to-one simulation, one hour of SIM to one hour of clinical? In the state of Wisconsin, because, you know, I'm from the center, I'm in Illinois, but Wisconsin will take one hour of simulation counts for two hours of clinical. So in state of Illinois, one hour is one hour. So I'm curious about California. Currently one-to-one, but we would like to, we definitely challenge that on a, on a daily basis because you know the, it is equivalent to much more. You can guarantee one hour of SIM can be two hours of clinical or more because our students typically are standing there, you know, observing, they're not touching. And even though the regulations are saying they have to have direct patient care, if you go in and look at what they're doing, they're not really touching the patients as much as they, we did back in the day, right? There's, the patients are sicker. The rules are different. Some of our students have no access to fixes and meds and, and whatnot. So I think that that's evolving. I think that my wish, my crystal ball wish would be that, um, that we're regulated nationally rather than state by state. Absolutely. Based on the evidence. Absolutely. Yep. Anything else you want to talk to our listeners about? Anything you want to plug for the Alliance or for yourself? I would say if you're not a member of an Axel or SSH, you should join. There's a huge amount of resources there. I would encourage anyone who is in simulation to move towards certification as a healthcare simulation educator and move your program towards accreditation. And if you can't do that completely, at least be on the journey, just like the magnet journey. <laughs> you can be on the accreditation journey. I Please follow me on Twitter, at KT Waxman. I'm posting things there right and left. Please stay in touch and keep on simulating. It's not going away. <laughs> Thank you. And I, I wish you the best. Uh, your daughter's getting married. One week from today. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. And I'd like to tell the listeners, if you're interested, if you go to my website under the resources and tools section, you'll see a lot of great speakers. And Andrew Spain talks about certification for the society. And Kristen Gadlidge talks about accreditation. Um, so there's some resources there that are available for free. KT, I look forward to seeing you at... IMSH, our international meeting for simulation. Um, one of the listeners had requested that I talk about what all these acronyms are. So I wanted to make sure. <laughs> okay. And, and by the way, this California Simulation Alliance will be having a welcome booth at IMSH in LA. So stop by and say hi. Right when you walk into the convention hall, we'll be, we'll be there welcoming people to California. I Perfect. hope to see you all there. Thank you so much. And I really, really appreciate your time and all your contributions to simulation. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Deb. I really admire your work. Big fan. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for joining us here at the Sim Cafe. We hope you enjoyed. Connect with us at www.innovativesimsolutions.com.
And be sure to hit that like and subscribe button so you never miss an episode of The Sim Cafe.